Hi, Ryan. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I am doing uh, interestingly. Oh. I'm scared, actually. Uh, okay. I've been locked in a room with no gravity, and I'm banging on the door, asking for help, but I- I'm afraid that there may be some kind of spooky mystery box on the other side. And uh, you know how oh. I feel about mystery boxes. Scared. Scared a lot of them. How about yourself? Um, you know, I'm up for a new adventure. You're up for a new adventure in the deep void of space. Yeah. Into the expanse. Ooh. Hey, one of these days I should try and convince you to do something that's not sci-fi. No. For this. Uh, <laughs> we pivot and do Desperate Housewives, finally, after being promising all of our listeners and patrons that we would do Desperate Housewives, we actually commit to doing Desperate Housewives. Hey, hey, we, we've got... We haven't got the time right now. No, I cannot kill you today. I have Pilates. No, we are too busy watching a show that neither of us have seen before here no. on the Yum Yum podcast, the only podcast. Breaking fully with tradition now. Space Above and Beyond was a move in that direction because I hadn't seen it and you had. Though this particular episode Ryan has seen before. Oh, let's just rip into it, Rachel. We here at the Yum Yum Podcast like to talk about science fiction television. We've talked about Babylon 5 episodes. We're going through that at the moment. We have talked about Star Trek Discovery, Space Above and Beyond, and we have often rewatched those. We are rewatching those shows, but yes. here, The Expanse is something that has been on the to-do list. It has been mm-hmm. something that has stalked us like a predator in each conversation you we've had. You. No, because there have been people who have messaged us and been really surprised that we don't talk about The Expanse. We haven't really watched The Expanse. We haven't had that experience because it is one of those modern sci-fi shows that is held up in very high regard and we're having to talk about Babylon 5 which has a lot of the foundation points for this Mm -hmm. series and especially Space Above and Beyond and we're talking about Star Trek Discovery a series that we rip our hair out when it comes to them wasting potential for stories and The Expanse is that thing that has been told to us many times you should watch that if you want to see something that follows through mm-hmm. on its on its promises and on its sci-fi-ness. And so we are yum-yum because that amazing line of dialogue from Star Trek Discovery's second season finale in which a character randomly out of nowhere said yum-yum. And the most... Well, it was a reply to a question. It makes no sense. But the thing is, yum-yum is an inherently sexual thing to say. And especially if you you lick your lips before you say it, just like that character. And so with The Expanse, we don't know what the yum-yum stuff will be for that. But I, I just want to ask you this. Maybe mm. this will be it. Did you find anyone in this pilot episode, this first episode, to be yum-yum? Somebody that you looked at or you felt and you went, hmm, yum-yum. 
Um, I find Miller yum yum. I think Thomas Shane's a, a he's a handsome guy. He has that kind of lived in experience. You just look at that face and you go, he's he's seen some I shit, see and, that, the, and I find that sexy. I see the appeal. I see the appeal. He's not it for me. I would pick Holden over Miller. Your Holden girl, vroom vroom. I would love to hear the IMDb summary for this first episode of The Expanse. I don't even know what the title is, because when we shoved in our Blu-ray, it just has it as episode one. Even though it has a title, they just called it episode one. So what are we talking about? Dulcinea. Dulcinea, okay. The asteroid belt near Saturn... James Holden and the crew of the Ice Freighter Canterbury on its way to Ceres Station investigate a distress call from an unknown derelict ship, the Scopuli. That's a very quick-fire synopsis, and I thank them for not getting into too much because this is a pilot episode of a science fiction show. Even though it isn't 90 minutes long, it is a pilot episode of a science fiction show where there's many things to catch the audience up on. And so to give a proper rundown of our histories and experiences with The Expanse, Rachel touched on it briefly. I have seen the first six episodes of The Expanse when they originally came out week to week. It was on Netflix here in Australia, and I watched it on my computer uh, in uh, the spare room that we had, and I just did not engage with the series. And it was not because of the quality of the show itself, but because of a certain mood and place in life I was at where I just was not vibing with it, even though I could tell it was doing a lot of impressive things. There was some interesting character work, lots of beautiful images and sci-fi uh, things that I love to dig my teeth into. There was just something about it that didn't grab me enough. And also, I was just in a certain headspace at the time where I wasn't giving the show the attention I think it needed. We we went through this with Space Above and Beyond, where that's a series that demands a lot from its audience. And for a series from 1995, that was quite a lot. While 2000, like 2016, most shows start from the very beginning saying, you have to pay attention to everything we're doing, okay? You have to make sure that you know that we've done this because it will pay off. You have to do the work to appreciate what we're doing. And I just wasn't vibing with it. So after six episodes, nothing in particular made me just dive off of it. I just stopped. I just stopped going to the place to watch it. I just stopped doing it. And it's just flown me by. I keep hearing massive praise for it, but I just never sat down to watch it. And then, hey, we have the podcast, and I've always wondered, should we do a show that neither of us have seen? And The Expanse was always at the top of that list because of that relationship we have with Star Trek Discovery, but also there are certain things that Babylon 5 and Space Above and Beyond have within them that I know are also in this show. Now, Rachel, The Expanse, what about you? Do you have any history, relationship, and or ideas of what this series has in it? No. No, I don't. 
I'm going to embarrass myself and be honest. I I didn't look at anything before you put it on the DVD because, like, we've been saying that we're going to start this for, like, a couple of weeks and it's just one of those things that, like, oh, that can wait, that can wait, that can wait. Then you put it in and I was like, this looks really good um it has like chick floating in space and i was like oh this looks this looks surprisingly good visually arresting image yeah do you know why i thought that it looked so good no well it didn't match my expectations because some wires got crossed in my brain Oh, everyone, sit down. Rachel's going to tell us a tall tale about how she probably thought we were watching Gilmore Girls for some weird reason. (laughs) I don't remember that episode of Gilmore Girls where Lorelai got launched into space. (laughs) Admittedly, I haven't watched enough Gilmore Girls to tell. That episode where Rory spaced her mum. It was wild. Season seven's a really crazy one because the showrunners weren't involved. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. You were a Trekkie? I was not a Trekkie. Oh, I do believe that denying you were a Trekkie is a violation of the Prime Directive. Indubitably, Captain. Well, in my head, for some reason, the expanse went along with Lost in Space. Yes. But not the remake of Lost in Space. What, the original? You thought this was a 1960s television series we were watching? (laughs) No, Rachel, this is a modern show. This finished like a year or two ago, a couple years ago. Oh, my Lord. I know, right? So, so, wait, wait, could you please please tell us all what you you thought this 1960s science fiction TV series called The Expanse is going to be? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gobsmacked, absolutely gobsmacked by this. I didn't know this. We've had conversations about The Expanse before we sat down to watch it. I know. In your brain, you you know my story. When I was telling my story, Rachel was looking at me going, yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. Rachel thought I was sitting down week to week to watch a brand new episode of a 60s television series. Because that it was week to week, I thought. She thought, what? I thought you were just pacing it out for yourself. Of course. I didn't remember. I was just like, yeah. oh, that's Ryan's thing. That's something that he's doing. Because you were watching basically week to week the 1960s Batman at the same time. I mean, it's a fair thing. It's a fair thing to, to think that. You know what? This is like the 1960s Batman. Holden is the Adam West figure. Miller is very much his Robin. (laughs) They haven't met yet. (laughs) When you said, I thought it was like the Lost in Space show, I'm like, that makes sense. Like the new one, there's a lot of similarities. I can see that. But wowzers. So, so, so. It was quite a shock to you when the first image came on the screen and it was modern CG. (laughs) It's like, oh, they did a really good job for mastering you're... And uh, <laughs> you want to know how it, like, it finally kicked in that 
when it was in sixteen by nine. No, <laughs> no. What? 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 What was it? The the CGI monster growls. Nope. What? If I logo, that's why I announced it. Ah. Announced you. I was like, oh, Siffy, and I'm like, wait, this can't be that old. It's on the Sci-Fi channel. <laughs> I can't wait to cover a 60s show and tell you it's from yesterday. <laughs> Rachel, we're going to watch this little thing. We're going to watch this, this little show from the 70s called Blake 7, but it's actually from yesterday. I'll tell her that it's from yesterday. We're watching Blake 7, it's actually from 2018. And you'll be like, oh, that it's not. I just lie. I don't know if we'll ever recover from that. So this is our podcast. Where, for those who are new and keen to hear a conversation about The Expanse, where we know nothing, by the way. Like, I know pretty much nothing about The Expanse. And clearly, you know nothing about it either. I'm aware that they're from some books. I remembered a few things after, because we've watched a video that used The Expanse as a good example of translating novels so very little experience with this series i haven't read the books i'm aware they exist i'm pretty sure and i felt this from the pilot and this will lead us straight into the world building and the lore that we are presented with because this obviously does introduce us to characters and themes but a lot of science fiction pilots are really emphasizing the world and how this all operates and the type of science fiction that we are inhabiting and what i i'm pretty sure is the case the books came about from they them wanting to create a role playing game first and they wanted to build out what that would be and so it spirals out into what we are here today looking at, where it's so detailed and so so uh, about those those little intricate pieces that go together. And so this episode is very much about here is this series. This is what we're living in. I didn't get a great sense of who we were with in the world rather than the world itself. Now, Rachel, what did you think about the world building? And talk to us a bit about the the, the pieces you've gathered from this. My feeling all the way through was there's so much money on screen right now. And then, like, three quarters of the way through, I was like, it is impossible that this was, like, a spec pilot that they did without knowing that they were going to get picked up. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no way that it would be like this if it was in that camp. And then a lot of their decisions made more sense to me because it has the confidence to not give you many answers, but to give you a lot of questions. And those questions do give you insight into the world. But it is very much about what you see, not what you are told, which is not an approach that pilots that haven't been greenlit Mm. get. Because even, they have they have to pose the questions 
and get you invested, whereas this has a self-assuredness that most pilots are are lacking in because they have to try and get producers to want to invest more money into it. It has a vi- visual approach to dispensing exposition. Obviously, there is lots of verbal exposition, but even the opening credits tells you everything you need to know. Where we are seeing the evolution of men, how we broaden out into space as、yeah. Earth itself is being consumed by the water,、mm. and then that is the great dramatic irony: is Earth is, has an abundance of water, too much to deal with. While the outer reaches of space, the belt is struggling with water. It's a commodity. It is the haves and have-nots. But you really hit the nail on the head there. With the money is on the screen, and we have seen pilots with the money on the screen. When we watched Farscape, for instance, that was a series that had a supreme amount of confidence out of the gate as well, because、mm-hmm. you could tell that they. They banked on、yeah. this. They 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 said this is going to be a big deal, and here's、mm-hmm. the money on the screen, and so we can afford to have the visuals. And、mm-hmm. now, the problem- and also that has the the length. Like at least this is going to be a TV movie,、mm. so we're going to get a complete story. Yeah.、Uh, Whereas the- this is a. Average length episode. Well, yeah, the, yeah, that's the difference too. Is why I relate this to Farscape. Farscape's one was only forty-five minutes. That pilot, and was it was it? yes, it was, and it was short. It's quick and punching, got you to the point. While most of the genre has the TV movie length or the double parter、mm-hmm. space introductions, above space above and beyond, TNG, Babylon Five, they、yep. all have these long ass pilots. Why is crossed and embarrassing and, myself all through this episode? And the world building here is done through a lot of those visuals.、Mm. There were so many moments of transition. Just scene transitions that gave me a deeper understanding of how the mechanics of things worked, rather than the moments of somebody outright telling me. Because if anything, I actually have a problem with、uh, sci-fi shows when they tell me so much information in the pilot because I'm I I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's a it's a part of the. Burden that you have to bear. You have to tell the audience what's going on, but at the same time, you're throwing a bunch of words and factions and groups and people and economics and and oh, this is how spaceships work at them. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, okay, is is Holden our main character? Is Miller? I don't know. But for a large part of it, I I was really drawn to how they just told us the little things, like how Earth is. Flooding and how the waters、yeah. are rising, and we saw the Statue of Liberty that had a wall around belt it. Belters from Earthers, and that Mars not being in this episode all that much said so much about Mars in its in itself, where they weren't present in this until the very end. But there was this air of secrecy and mystery, and all we really had to go off of was that. Exposition text at the beginning that said that Mars is a military thing, like they're a military group. They, they've they've gained their liber- liberty as、yeah. as that. And so when we do meet them at the very end, and they are a 
a a strike force. They are somebody who attacks. It gave me far more of an understanding than if you had a bunch of characters saying, oh, did you know that Mars is actually a militaristic group and that they are secretive and blah, 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 blah. It was the restraint that I really appreciated in this. To them, we will always be slaves. That's all we are to the Earthers and Dusters. They built their solar system on our backs. Spit the blood of a million of our brothers. But in their eyes, we are not even human anymore. I guess I like the way that they're bridging our te- technology that we have now with the future tech. And you can kind of see the sort of evolution that things might take. I I like that they were just casually using like consumer grade drones around the place. Oh, I thought that that was fun. Um, I, like- I liked a lot of the little touches with the props as well, like the way that things have mostly stayed tactile um but there's still like other kinds of screens and different places have different um sort of things like the phone tablet thing that, yeah, I love how Miller's has. one was cracked that was a great little detail yeah. another another thing that I thought was really great the people who live in the the more fancy higher up end uh have the the fake sky they yeah. have like the televisual sky above them and you see the bird try to fly up onto mm-hmm. it and I, I thought that was again a great piece of visual storytelling to hammer in on the themes of the haves and the have-nots the higher-ups mm-hmm. and the low-ups the people who are rich and the people who are poor the people who are struggling the people who are thriving that there was a wonderful demonstration of that one of the things that i, I noticed you sit up in your seat at when we were watching it and i don't know if you had in your notes was when they were in the train and they were just showing us like in the in the tunnels and how it goes through mm-hmm. the the actual terrain itself and that this train also they showed us a lovely little map that yeah. had here's all this stuff and us being nerds that's the type of thing where you'd pause that and go okay I'll read that map yep um and the fact that it is structured very similar to the way that they represent the train maps of Tokyo. That's what I was noticing. The sort of that's a very subtle way to allude to the global nature of it. There was a blending of cultures that I really appreciated. There was multiple languages being spoken. Uh, There was a mixing of languages as well as just people's clothing. You could tell that, oh, this person has a mixture of this culture and this culture with that twinge of sci-fi-ness added on the top as well as when when we you know cut to earth uh deputy uh you know chairperson of the un is this indian woman and she's wearing the full outfit it's bright and colorful and luxurious and she stands out in comparison to the rest of the things we've seen on the Mm. on that multiple levels of she is vibrant she's on earth but also she's 
uh, a person of a drastically different culture than everyone else that we've been following. Everyone else who's just been kind of sad and grungy and, you know, your 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 white guys classic who... Classic dystopian. Your classic, yeah. And here's this, you know, rich Indian woman who's just having a, uh, having a ball being a bitch and I can't wait to talk about her. But uh, another piece of the world that I think is really key and uh, very, very well captured without having to bang us over the head you get that there's a powder keg here that it's ready to go off you feel it like they tell you that at the start like it, it's on the edge of war there's just one spark to set it off yeah and you feel it you feel that intensity and i i liked another aspect of this which was the casual brutality that was present. People lose their arm and then they'll just be bitching that they will have to get it uh, regrown or they'll get a robot arm and they oh, want a robot they arm. want a robot arm and there's just this is how horrible the world is, the racism, the bigotry, the the disparity and also just the brutality is all treated with a shrug from most of the people living in it. That is it's such just a, a fact of life. That's just a telling thing about the law and the world building that is present in, in the pilot is just they're on the precipice of war and nobody seems to care all that much because people are just trying to get by or people want a bit of profit or people want power. And yep. that's my type of sci-fi gem. We'll we'll get to more of this, but I find it very interesting that the first person that we meet is not a character that we get to know. She's the MacGuffin. She's the MacGuffin. She's the mystery box. Instead of getting to know this woman, mm. we get to know two men, namely. Two men who are inadvertently trying to find and save this woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start with the detective. He's a belter himself. He's got a fucked up spine thanks to some dodgy health. Yeah, it was the bad bone density juice stuff because that's another thing they make sure to let you know that there's physical differences of being from space Mm -hmm. and being on earth and being maybe from mars at some point i imagine but they this is a show where you can definitely tell that it's written by nerds who sat there and they said well you know if if you if you lived on a spaceship your bones would be different Uh, yeah especially if you grew up there you would your body would naturally do certain things or go in certain ways and they address that and they also address the idea of the these people have a culture of their own they don't identify with being humans from earth no they identify as belters and that's why Miller is an outsider because he is from the belt but he dresses like and he acts like he's not and that puts him on 
the outside and makes him a point of contention for the people that he walks around uh, barking at. He's a cop on top of that as well. Like he's but a filthy detective on top of that. Also, how he's gotten to that position because he, the majority of the people on the belt are doing grunt work. They're stuck doing the manual labor, and he's escaped that somehow. And uh, Miller is, uh, in this pilot, he comes across as the main character to me. He comes across as the the guy that you're following, and he has his sidekick guy who's the point of view for the audience, but you get a clear understanding that that guy, Havelock, I want to say his name is, is not the main character. He's just a guy that gets information told to him because he's us. We don't know what's happening. It's very convenient it's for very him to convenient. have a new partner and literally, stage who's new to the Literally, station. once the episode decides that we, the audience, are caught up, they stop having Havelock in the plot. They just yeah. say, you stay here. <laughs> Because the audience understands enough now to watch the the plot play out for the rest of the episode, which I yeah. laughed at a lot. Actually, it was, it was, it was a clean and an efficient way to do it, but also a very calculated way to to do that. I, I had a good chuckle. It was like poor dude but, getting uh, kicked out. I don't give a shit about Havelock. Look, if he's a character that turns around and becomes a suddenly wonderful guy, I, 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 I I'll eat. He, I'll eat Miller's hat. Oh, I but, would be. A little surprised if he comes back at all. Oh, he has to. They they said his name. At least I have to kill him in another episode if that's going to be the case. You can't just leave that guy. But 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 Miller, he's our detective. Uh, disgrunt uh, like uh, he's disgruntled. He's uh, uh he's a he's a, he's a grump. He's a he's a he's an outsider. What did you think, Mil- uh, Miller? What did you think of him, dickhead? Interested to see what he gets up to. He seems like he um, he screams, I have a dead daughter vibe. Oh, okay. Um, like, I used to be a good detective and he... he um, and then I lost it all. Yeah. Now he I don't care. Asked um, if he asked if he has kids. Yes. And he says, no, I missed the boat on that one. Mm, yeah. And I'm like, you have some kind of tragic backstory. I'm I'm not buying that you've always been this disgusting human being. Did you find him a compelling character or no? Not really. Why not? Too many tropes. Too many tropes. He's a character that is the tropes. He's yeah. he's got the hat, he's got the partner, he's he seems like he's a cynic, but underneath it all, he's got a heart of gold, and he he's actually taking cares. the bribes. But then he he takes action. He's a man of justice, even though he has this affable demeanor. I understand what you're saying because I couldn't see past that for the longest period of time in this watching. I just I like Thomas Jane as an actor. I thought, ah, he's doing the scenes, they're fine, I don't really care. But once it got to that moment at the end with the bird flying up in front of him and he takes a moment to look at that and then see the little girl down there and that set him off to show us that he actually has that heart of gold, that he actually does give a shit and that the things that he has been 
uh, pushing away uh, actually do get to him. And so I was won over at that point. And since this is the beginning of a story, you have to work your way towards growing the character. So I understand it, but I am completely in agreement with you that even then with that bird touch, I just sat there going, okay, look, I like the actor. I like these tropes. I like detective characters. I like my noir guys. I really loved his line about why he wears a hat. You know, to keep the rain off my head. I thought that was a very good line of dialogue. I I really like that a lot. But Mm. I agree. He wasn't somebody that I wanted to watch a full show about yet. Not in this one. No, no. But I can see that they're teeing up lots of things specifically with him as a character. And I'm like, I know that you'll move beyond this because I trust the vision of the show already. Like, it didn't do anything for me to worry that it's already going to fuck it up. Now, what would a rich girl do to really piss Danny off on series? Are you asking what I did? Bang every space fucker I could find. It's not helpful. I'm sorry, Mona. Did you come here for my help? Come on. Admit it. Miss me. Miss these little chairs. Good night. Other main man is Jim Holden, a name that I'm sure we'll remember. I'm I probably just call him Holden all the time. I'm sure we won't call him Jim ever again. But Jim Holden is the other main man. And uh, what did you think? I liked him more than Miller because he's the gruff dude that is annoyed that he has a conscience. That he has desires for things better than himself. Yeah, but also, like, he wants better, but he doesn't want to have to do more. And I hard relate to that. I think he was the more defined character, yet we met him a while later. protagonist vibes. Yeah, I think he's the protagonist of the show, but in this episode, they really sidelined him for a very long time. I I felt like we didn't get to really... I feel like we're going to get multiple protagonists. So we're going to have the protagonist of the space stuff, the station stuff, the Earth stuff. Mm. That's, I think, and you're going to get the connections between them building up. But I connected more to him as a potential, like, main main character that like everything else i think of is being connected and relating to him yeah he was fine i i i look he was fine uh it i like that that he, i thought he was hot he, he's hot um he's the guy from sky high he's war and peace and uh will i unsee that no <laughs> no no to the very end, if we make it to the end of the expanse, I'm I'm gonna keep mentioning that he's War and Peace. I'll mention it as that's the final thing I'll say on the pod. This show's lead was War and Peace from Sky High. He was fine. I I I they gave him good character traits, but he himself I found to be what you talked about with Miller, where I just see the the elements of what the writers are putting of him as a character, but I am not 
relating to him myself. I can see why you do, and I hope to in the future. He he actually reminds me of John Crichton from Farscape, where it's like, you are the perfect protagonist, man. You have these set of values that you can explore in a whole show. And I warmed up to Crichton after a few episodes. I hope to warm up to this guy, but at the moment, I'm just sitting here going, hey, he's fine. He's not offensive. He, 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 he has morals. He pretends he doesn't. Uh, he fucks, which is yeah. good to know. Um, the actor seems charming enough. I, I hope to, to warm to the dude, but uh, at the moment, here's my biggest hurdle. Okay, mm. Here's what it is, and maybe this is me needing more of a tropey thing. He's supposed to be a blue-collar guy. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be the rough and tumble. I've been working out on the belt for ages. I've been living on this ship, and I don't feel that at all. I feel like he's no. a handsome man I who walked out he's... of his uh, trailer and he's been told that he's a uh, spaceship yeah. man. Like, I... I do not believe this is a rough and tumble guy that has been living out there. See, I was thinking that, but I was thinking it in a different way. We already have two other examples of rich, privileged people walking away from their privilege to be with the have-nots. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he's going to be another example of that, maybe. Or the inverse of, like, he's like, no, I don't want to be with the have-nots. I want to be out better than this. But that doesn't seem to be the case with him thus far. No. He just has that, I'm I'm a pretty boy. That's that's my problem. I wouldn't be not. I don't mean that aesthetically. I had a problem with frightened being generic handsome man. He's your generic handsome man. And I don't man. mean that on uh, the visual look of the act. I mean that the character is like, hello, I am handsome lead character man, and you will follow me because that's what dictates stories. That's what dictates. A, that's what a story follows. Me, guy. What I'm saying is, he should be Dave Lister from Red Dwarf. That's my main character that I would want. No, he's just there. I, I mean, I'm, I'm. Wondering how he is going to factor into this grander story, because at the moment he's just some schmuck who stumbled across something that we don't understand, and I wonder how they're going to spiral that out to be something that continues on, because with the detective... I understand how they can do that. He's literally an authority figure who is pulling at something bigger than himself, and you can go into that, and you can imagine all of the things that you can play off of with him, but I'm not too sure with Holden. He's just some schmuck. The most he has going for him is he has a girlfriend. uh, That has morals outwardly, and then she dies at the end, and it's like, oh, okay. How's he going to deal with that, maybe? Was there a particular moment or scene for you uh, that helped uh, you warm to this guy because I I couldn't find one right now. It was just they had lines of dialogue. I'm like, oh, that's insightful. But what did you think? No, I I liked his little bits of banter with everybody. Those are the two main that we get here. I'm keen to explore the other characters that will be introduced or have been, but just aren't really present here because there's a whole crew of people that he is stuck with at the end, and I don't know any of their names. I don't know how I could even describe them to you. There's a British lady. There's a guy. There's a a guy with a beanie on. There's a lady that's with Miller as well, and we didn't even mention her. What lady? 
Oh, the other cop lady? Yeah, yeah. And so there's characters that haven't made themselves too known to us yet, but I'm sure they'll be rich and endearing. And then we have uh, the Deputy Secretary General of the UN, who mm-hmm. we'll get to, but he or she's only in two scenes, and they're memorable scenes, but I don't have enough to say what I think of her as a character more that is the tone of the show comes through. And that's what I just want to touch on the, the feeling of this. How do you feel about the show overall? Like, are you excited to watch more and how, how are you when it comes to the, the, the grit of this? Because this is a grittier show. Like this has a, this has a, we're dark and broody. Oh, do you mean, is that turning me off the show? How do you feel about it? Um, ambivalent. I was not engaged, but I wasn't actively put off by the pilot, which makes it uh, he have a huge leg up from Space Above and Beyond. My books. I just don't care. That's where I'm at. I'm not invested after this pilot because I'm just like I I'm like okay you're setting up all of these things great great if I was reading a novel series yeah I would be more interested to see where it goes would be in it for the long haul and maybe a bit more than when I'm presented with that in a tv show but I'm like, well, Ryan locked us in to watch it. And everybody says that it's great. So once I've settled into the world and I give a shit about the characters, I think I'll like it a lot more. Mm. But if I just watch the pilot on my own, I would not attentively watch the rest of the show. I am drawn into the world because of the production rather than the writing and the characters. I like the look of it. I do like the feel of it. I appreciate the feel. It has a very lived-in, grounded sensibility. It makes sense. I'm sitting there going, this makes sense to me. I can see how this could be our future. I appreciate that I could see how this could play out. And they aren't undermining it with some random goofy thing in there. But I am in, again, we're on the same page here, where I, through just a singular one, am not drooling to watch the next episode right away. And that's just a given, I think, with a lot of pilot episodes of sci-fi shows and or first seasons of a science fiction show. They're finding their groove, they're finding their rhythm, and also... This is from an era of television where it's the long game being played, where you can look at an episode and you don't say that, oh, I loved it, but you can say, I appreciated what it's doing for the grander game being played here. And that's very much what uh, this is giving me. It is one where it will be important later, but just sitting down to talk about it even isn't the most uh, 
thrilling thing in itself, but I am thrilled by the pieces it's put down, the relationship between a good pilot versus that of a good episode, is always the tug of war, because there is a difference between a pilot episode and just a regular episode. A pilot has to tell us why we should watch this, what's important about this show, and how it works. And a regular episode is just bringing you in on an adventure. Moving it forward a little bit. And why this stands out to me in comparison to the other pilots that we've had to watch for this series, for our podcast, is... It does both. It does both. Where it begins with all of the typical things. Here's the world. Here's a monologue. Here's another monologue. Here's a visual thing to tell us. But in the last 15 minutes or so, when they finally haul on over to this freighter, I was engaged because it was an Mm -hmm. actual plot happening. Like, this is an episode of a television show where they find the spooky ship and they're exploring it and, oh, no, it's set Mm -hmm. off a beacon and we have to worry about pirates and being attacked and all of this was happening. There's a specific problem because the first chunk is setting up the problems of the world, not the problems that our characters are going to face and the direct things that they're going to need to do to try and overcome those. Once we get to the freighter, we get that specific kind of problem. And I want to know how our characters overcome problems. I want to know their style and why they're different Mm -hmm. to one another. Once we get into the back part of this, the plots really kick into gear. We get to see how Miller works as a character and how he operates. And same with the this crew that uh, that Holden is held, uh, in charge of. And I was really buzzed by that. So this is very much a you-have-to-eat-your-vegetables-too episode where the vegetables aren't bad in themselves, but I just want that steak. It's a transmitter. This must be the beacon that called us. Somebody planted it. Pirate bait. McDowell was right. One of the things, actually, that I want to highly praise, I think that this helps kick it over into something more than just a okay pilot, is the Julie Mao case at the center of it all. I am a sucker for this type of storytelling, where I joke before about mystery box stuff. I'm not a big fan of mystery boxes, but I am a big fan of a linchpin. This yeah. is a linchpin event where this this person who has been either kidnapped or she's been taken elsewhere, whatever her case is, we, the audience, aren't aware of it yet, and nor are the characters. But all of these characters, all of these different factions, all of these different groups, all of these different entities are all converging because of this one person. And I like that. And when I get told, now that's the pitch, okay? You have been told that the universe is on the edge of a war and this girl going missing could be the spark that lights that? Damn, I'm in. Yeah. That's what makes me get in. Mm. What do you think about the Julie Mal thing being the the thing that is planted here in the middle? Yeah. Uh, Okay, for me, rather than being a linchpin, which I understand is what it is meant to be, for me... It felt 
more like a seed that they've planted deep down, and that's going to continue to grow as the season goes on. So it didn't get me as invested because I'm like, that's going to pay off more and more later. I just got into it because Miller's been handed the case and he has no connection in this episode. He has no connection to Holden. Holden has no connection to what's happening on Earth. Call him Jim, please. Please, Jimmy. Jimmy has no connection to Miller. And they exist as characters in the world and they like we understand how they work in this universe but i wanted to know okay why are we doing this what's what's the purpose and so once i introduced that the freighter that we saw in the very beginning is this thing giving out a distress call and that's what brings holden in i like how that is dispensed in terms of making the characters go on the same journey but for completely different mm-hmm. reasons completely different motivations and ones that suit their characters miller is a guy who's he's got to solve the case i've got some dark void in my heart that i need to fill by doing the case and i'm going to pretend i don't give a shit and then you have uh, Holden, who is a guy that is very similar but different, where he wants to give the illusion that he doesn't care, but deep down, mm-hmm. he also cares. And so he goes yeah. to do this shit, but they do it differently. One's a detective, and one's just a scrap guy. Like, oh, I'm just going to mm-hmm. board this thing, and hopefully we'll do the best we can. Yes, but both of them have their little corners that have been neglected by the rest of the world. That is a great way to put it. What do you think about Julie Mao finding a room with what appears to be an engine in the center of it, like the core of the ship, and there's a growling monster sound and something that appears mm. to be eating a person or at least dragging them in yeah. in a CG thing? Thoughts? Thoughts on that? I'm scared, personally. I, I don't know what we're getting from that, and I, I, I'm scared of it. Uh, I'm just like, what the fuck is that? Hope I get answers. You are the optimist out of the two of us, because I look at that and I've just been traumatized by so many bad mystery box spooky ooze in uh, TV oh, that I look uh, at that and I go, yeah, I'm not oh, hopeful of no. what the answers are going to be. I don't know if it can, it's going to be satisfying, it's... but I'm like, any answers? Do you think any answers will be okay? Do... Then it's not, a, it's not a true mystery box. Is this a show where you would accept monsters being in it like aliens or ghouls or monsters yeah. would you yeah okay difference of opinion not me with what we've been given thus far i'm very much of the opinion of this is a show where it's people versus people people having more, a go at one another it, it, well okay i don't think it's gonna end up being true aliens that's my sci-fi theory after this one episode based on basically nothing is that it's going to be some human creation that's gone wrong. That's what I that's think. That's gone vogue, rogue. Not vogue. Miller and Holden uh, plots that are building up the, yeah. the, the story for the season ahead. Mm-hmm. And they'll eventually converge is the... Feeling. Wouldn't it be bold if they didn't? It would be bold. <laughs> Until the final episode, they finally meet and they're like, hey, who are you? And then that's how we end the season. 
But、mm. one thing that is very separate, very very distant, and I loved it the most. Hence, we have left it towards the very end. Is Earth? I was sitting there going, "Where's Earth? Earth I want to know what Earth, Earth and Luna. I want to know what Earth is up to. I want to know what they're up to because Earth is the big baddies. It seems they're the they're the top dogs. They're the ones with the water, Corruptors. the power. They're water and power from Tank Girl. I kept thinking about that every time they mentioned that water was more valuable than gold. I kept water thinking of Tank、air. Girl. I, I kept and you thinking of Tank it, Girl. Like. That glorious shot of like the two drops of water in space with Julie.、Mm. Great, that was great. That was a great piece of business. But Earth, it's in two scenes,、uh, basically. And you loved it. Brian George is in this episode. I love Brian George. He's one、Jonathan、of my favorite characters. Was here too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we didn't talk about. He that. He went crazy about plants. Whatever the fuck that's Mike about. Mike from Breaking Bad was in this, and he went crazy. He said space he had、mad. no connection to Jimmy. He had no, yeah. So <laughs> that's a better course or reference. I got you.、Um, no, he. There's guests. There's also that guy, the 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 air filter guy. That character actor's in、yeah. everything. He was in Cube. He was in Supernatural. I think he was Death in Supernatural. He's a character actor that's in a bunch. So I'm also secure in wanting to watch more of the Expanse because they have wonderful weird actors show、yeah. up in it, and I, I want to see more. Is great, not just in terms of those character actors that we we are more familiar with. But the actors that they've gotten to play the extras of the Belters,、mm. and how they've gone a little bit, um, like they're detail orientated when it comes to the set dressing, but also to the extras. So they've chosen weird-looking people. Yes. They've chosen people who are strange and people who you can't take your eye away from them, and just give them funky costumes on、you're、top not, of that, and it's even better. You're not typical. Yes, you're not somebody that you would typically see as an extra in、uh, yeah. a. The fact that they、show. don't blend in makes is it the even、point. better. Yeah, but Earth is a、uh, man. What a place to be! The waters are, are, are risen up. They've walled off cities. They've walled they've off, elevated the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, and they've put a wall around it. I really like that. Like the logic there is, we'll try and stay save the Statue of Liberty. We'll we'll build a little wall around. It. It's like you idiots. You. It really is one of those. It、um, needs to stay on that island, Ryan. Look, it needs. To we can't solve. We、island. can't solve global warming, but we can at least save the Statue of Liberty. We can go to space, but we can't solve this. It's ah,、uh, but we we meet ah.、Uh, well, we actually saw her. Um, I forget her、On、name. Footage. I forget her name. It was mainly told through text, so I don't know her name right now. I'm sure the next episode somebody will say it, and I'll be like, ah,、oh, that's it. But. We we met her on a TV screen originally, but then when we saw her proper, she's in her house and she's looking in the mirror. She's getting all ready to go. She's she's got a real contemplation on her face. But then this little kid throws a water balloon at her, and I thought that there was a another moment where the expanse stood out, especially for being a pilot, where it was another piece of visual storytelling where. 
we have been told water is this valuable commodity. People are, are dying and need water. And yet when we come back to Earth, they are just using it for anything. This anything. kid's throwing around his water balloons yep. and she's just reacting like, oh, you silly thing. Mm-hmm. And if that happened on the belt yeah. it would be the most insane thing that oh, that would yeah. not be happening no, at all how much inequality there is between the this this woman mm. and the society she's a part of yeah and the fact that the i do get the feeling that the closer you are to earth the more power and prestige you have. Like, being a true Earther has more power and privilege than being a, a Marzi. I think they call them dusters. I heard dusters yeah, said yeah. once, and I said, oh, if that's f- a person wanted, from Mars, I'm in. I wanted to do the B5 reference. Sorry. A Marsy from Mars, yeah. Um, and then the Belters. That's all we are to the Earthers and Dusters. She is a woman of power in terms of actual position, but also she is an inhabitant of Earth, which is the top dog, it seems. Mm-hmm. They have water up the wazoo, and they're just throwing it around, just playing so- with it. Got so much that they can waste it. They got so much they can waste it, and I, I, I found it really sweet how she was with this grandchild. And so, did you have any idea of what this woman was going to be like? Mm. Because this is how they introduce her as the sweet grandmother figure. Oh, oh, you, and she's tickling him, and she's talking to Brian George about this is the power of what it's like to be a grandmother, and Mm-mm. she has this mournful look of, oh, I've been called to my job, but I've got to go. Did you have any kind of notions of what we're going to get with this, yes. this bitch? Yes, I did. Um, and a part of that is context. Because we watched a particular episode of Babylon 5 today. And Mr. JMS himself loves a hard cut transition where the characters are saying one thing and it's revealed to be another, or usually the opposite making the previous point ironic. That is true. He loves doing that. He fucking loves it. You know what else loves doing that, by the way? The Sopranos. That show loves doing it too. it's It's a classic. It's a classic. And it gave me the waft of that. It's like, this is too sweet. This show's not sweet. It doesn't this have sweetness in it. This show's not sweet. It must be undercut immediately. Yep. I'm like, what? What, what are they going to be doing? And they're like, oh, I need. We need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk. Okay. How much torture are we going to see in this next scene? Not. Not very graphic, but the but implication, visceral. Mm-hmm. what's being implied here, what's being told to us mm-hmm. is is one of those where you go, they're destroying uh, that man, keeping him propped up on a wall under Earth's gravity. You tried to harm Earth. No, let it hurt you back, bitch. I had a feeling that she was not on the level because, and uh, this is part of casting, she has a villainous voice. Yes. She has a sexy voice, but she has a very deep 
presence in her voice. So she's an actress that's been in everything. We watched her in Star Trek Beyond, in fact, and she was a good person in that. But she just has this this voice that says, I'm going to fuck you up. And so that scene where she's talking to this man that they've captured, this terrorist who's from an organization that I don't think we understand yet. They just said the initials of it, but I don't know who's that in relationship to. But I that there... I loved that scene because it is the show to me where she's putting on this face of the grandmother to this guy of sweet talking. Oh, please tell me the information. It would be so great if you could do that. A whisper. If that's all you can manage, I'll understand. And then the guy clenches his fist in defiance and she sees that and then just turns heel on him and just walks off. Leave him there for another 10 hours, and if he's still alive, call me. And she's just off, doesn't give a shit. It's this performative aspect to the character where we talked about Miller, we talked about Holden, and how we think about them, and they have way more screen time, they have way more stuff given to them, and yet I understood her way more. I want to watch more of this character. I want to see her wheel and deal and operate, and I want to see how she dictates the story going forward. She is in two scenes. She's in two scenes, but they're very effective. They are very clear in what they're doing, and it is the type of thing that is, the only word to describe what it is, is delightful. This is a delightful character, one that I have a smile on my face when I see her because she's delightfully a bitch and I can't wait to see her again. Now, did you have uh, any strong feelings towards her? Because she's only in these in these two scenes, but she is, at least in this moment, the villain of the show. She's at least the villainous presence. What did you think of her and uh, that that moment with the interrogation? Yeah, I was just like, you are a believable kind of villain. And I really appreciate this because could have gone too far. You didn't go too Robocop and I appreciate that about you, show. She's the most exciting thing in the pilot. She, the actor is clearly better than everyone else. Yeah, Isn't that- leagues above. No, Knows it. Feels it like as the character. Isn't that so important? It's so important. It's so important. And I, I, I joke before I like about I Gilmore hope Girls. Other but ones will get there, but it's not to say that everyone else is. I mean, Thomas Jane is a very skilled, capable actor. Yeah. He's a reliable actor. I love Thomas Jane, but he's just not she's, fully she's, there. Yeah, she's just one of those where man, she's got it, and. I joked before about Gilmore Girls, but let's be honest, the Gilmore Girls pilot is very solid. Mm. Everyone's given a good performance, but the parents mm-hmm. are clearly the best, and not only because they're fun, but those actors are, are leagues above everyone else. And and that happens with uh, with Babylon 5 as well, where we had Peter Jurisic as Londo, where he was just leagues above everyone else. He was just, he nailed it from pretty much the beginning, still finding his feet, but uh, he clearly had an idea, and this this particular performance here is one where you go, oh yeah, I want to I want to watch six seasons of that. I want to watch si- Jim Holden. I'm not too sure yet. Miller, yeah, I could go one way or the other. But this person, I want her to be in the whole show. Yeah, this is. I one, want her locked in. This is one where you would definitely say, oh, she wasn't in this episode, and that's a bad thing. 
I don't think I would say that about Jim Holden or Miller. It's like if an episode didn't have them, I'm at the moment I'm not going to weep over that. This lady, two scenes, I'm already crying the fact that there wasn't three. The whisper will do if that's all you can manage. Hey. Give him another ten hours. If he survives, call me. Mars is also a presence, and they only show up at the end as a stealth ship, as a as a force that is there to destroy. They they nuke Jim's girlfriend. They nuked her. She had something to say. What do you think she had to say? It was I have something important to tell you, and then gets cut off. And I think that's the. Th- that's the single line that made me the made me the most interested in moving forward. What do you think? What do you think she had to tell him? What do you think was the most important? I thing? think um, obvious one is that she was pregnant. Oh yeah, that's pretty standard. No, I love you. Um, I love you. Um, I know the truth about you, or. You should know this thing about me. Wouldn't it be really funny if she said, I'm cheating on you, and then she just noped out? Like, that would be... That would be great. That would be, well, that would that be a would boss be, move. I've, I've already put in for my transfer that, or, or that you, we or, were d- discussing you, earlier. Or you have a small pee-pee. Bye-bye. <laughs> I need to I would, be honest. I really like, I would really like it if she did just a slam of him. Just She grabbed out a microphone and a spotlight came down and she started dragging on a cigarette and she just well, does like a full wait, comedy wait, set about I how much it sucks. I just thought of another one that's a contender because there's so many different things that you could do with that setup. Uh, I know it was you. Oh, yeah. I know it was you. Mm. For what, though? Oh, reporting the thing to HR. Oh, yes, I know it was you. And also, we fucked in zero-G, baby. Hey, hmm, would you want to have sex in zero-G? Is that something you'd want to do? I feel like there's a lot of factors to really contend with. I feel like motion sickness would happen. But but they're so used to going through it, it's non-event. So for me, that scene didn't read as... We're going into zero G, so we're gonna fuck to make mm. the most of it. It's this is a time where we can have sex, and zero G isn't gonna stop us from having sex. Maybe they started, and then zero G happened, mm-hmm. and then they then they started floating up, and then they smacked down on the ground. Yeah, that would have I mean, broken his dick. Sorry, am I wrong? That would have hurt. It seemed like it. It seemed oh, like uh, it would hurt hips more than the dick because the dick. But she's on much, top of him. Very much seemed like it was still inside of her, so it's mm. cushioned. It's contained. Mm, I think you overestimate how cushy the, the vagina the di- is for the penis. See, I don't think. I think it would do more damage to the balls than to the dick. I think you could argue it could do a lot of damage to the puss. Yeah. But you're not arguing that, so I'm sorry. No. The puss is out of the equation. On our scale of yum being bad and yum yum being good, what would you rate this? Because that's what we do here on Yum Yum Podcast. We we hail... Wow, a yum. Yeah, I'm right there with you. 
It's a yum. yum. There's room to grow. At least there's that. There's there's stuff here that I say, okay, I want to. I could see this being a more of a show, but this isn't this isn't winning me over straight away. I, I I can't wait to see if it will and see how. But at the moment, it's just okay. It's just fine. Rachel, could you please inform us all the title of the next episode? We'll just be reading the title and maybe have a little guess at what could be in store for us. Because uh, I don't know, nor do you, and we don't want to be spoiled. This I, is our first time watching The Expanse. I am going to give you a little spoiler, though. No, don't. I asked you not to. It's just for the thumbnail that um... Andy has for this episode. Is it of my favorite character? Yes, it is. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. I'm glad she's back. Mm-hmm. The Big Empty is the title. What do you think could happen? I think it's going to have to do with water. Oh, some crisis with water? Yep. I think we're going to have an episode, if we're going to be logical, I think we're going to have an episode where we're going to follow up on that interrogation with the terrorist guy, learn more mm-hmm. about that, and Holden is going to be stuck in space, space. Mm-hmm. and he's going to have to figure out how to survive and probably deal with the, the Martian stealth ship. Yes. That would make sense. Okay. And I guess Milo is still on the case. I also wonder uh, if they're going to hatch a specific plan like Holden and his crew, Mm. like if they're going to be content to just go back to Earth or, well. To the belt. To the belt um, and just find a new ship and get a new commission from the corporation. I don't know. I haven't thought about that far. I think mainly this is going to be an episode where you're going to have a survival episode. Or how are we yeah. going to? Because this show loves that already. You can tell they have like mouth guards that they put in when they're flying and they're so injecting many themselves. Details. With sh- and imagine a whole episode where it's like, oh no, our ship has lost gravitational pull, and oh no, the, the the nacelle has fallen off, and oh Miller's hat blew away, and now he has to go chase it, and that's. As they say in Miller's Crossing, weirdly enough, there's nothing more embarrassing than a man chasing his own hat. But that is all we have for you when it comes to us exploring the expanse. We're finding our footing when it comes to the series. We're finding our way to to really dig into it. So I hope you've enjoyed what we've discussed thus far. If you want to hear more of us, you can follow us on whatever podcast hosting site allows you to do so, including YouTube even. Mm -hmm. We put this out for our patrons first on Patreon, so if you're listening to this on the main feed, you should come over to Yum Yum Podcast on Patreon and support us there, where you will have a whole bounty of content. So much, you won't even know what to do with it. You might put it in some balloons and throw it at your grandmother because it's just so abundant but you can hear so much of our discussion on the expanse over there be a part of our group discord all of the good stuff is in the description of this episode down below as well as our email address which is yumyumpod at gmail.com rate and review the show share us around share us with all your friends you you can say hey friend 
these two Australians, this husband and wife team, they're watching The Expanse for the first time. And this one, one of them, oh, you won't believe what they thought The Expanse was. You won't even believe when they thought it was made. Oh boy. Uh, but that is all we have. Thank you so much for listening. Rachel, a real joy talking to you. A real joy getting into this. But I'm really sad that no character no character in this episode said yum yum. A tear is forming in my eye about it. See you then. Well, voila.